Would you take out your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2? We'll be looking at verses 1 through 11. Concentrating on salvation and grace this morning, Reformation, five great solas, five onlys. If you look at your uh, bulletin, it says the five solas, which state that Christians are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, as revealed in Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. This morning, we're going to be having a message on salvation, and we're going to be looking at the part that grace has in our salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning on verse number 1. This is the eternal word of the Lord. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved." And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Our key verses this morning are at the uh, end of this portion of Scripture that we read, and they are the verses 8 through 10. So far, the reading of God's holy word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, grace... It finds its origin in your great counsel, the counsel of you and your Son and the Holy Spirit, even before time began, in eternity past. And grace, we understand, will continue on into eternity, as far as we could ever go into the future. We thank you for your grace. Help us to understand it more. And in that understanding, help us to walk more victoriously through our faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. The title of this uh, message is Grace, Amazing and Forever. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound 
that saved a wretch like me. That pretty much sums up our message this morning. It's consistent with the passage that we're looking at this morning. If you look at verse number 1, chapter 2, you can see why we're a wretch. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And then if you look at verse number 8 in our key verses this morning, just 8 alone, the very beginning of it, you'll see amazing grace, verse number 1, displayed. For grace, or by grace, you have been saved. This morning, we're going to look at three terms, three great words. First one may not sound so great. The first word is wretch. The second is grace. And the third word to be considered is salvation. Being saved. Let's start with wretch. From what are we being saved? Why even use the word wretch? That's such a strong word. What are the characteristics of our wretchedness? I will list some of them for you. We could go on and on, but I'll list some of them for you. Under the authority of Scripture, because we're talking about the five solas, this message is going to be under the authority of Scripture. The Bible says that we were lost in our sins. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. That's what it says in verse number one. We were slaves to our sin and to the passions of our flesh. That's what it says in verse three. Under the control of Satan, sons and daughters of disobedience. Verse number two. Children of the devil, found in other places in Scripture. Romans puts it this way. Paul puts it this way. He strings together three verses of what our condition was. Past tense, was, prior to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and our being alive with him. Prior to that, we were wretches. We were weak and powerless. We were ungodly. We were sinners. We were enemies of God. That's what Paul says. We were blind from birth. That's what Jesus says. We walked in the ways of darkness. Our very nature was darkness. Our nature We walked in darkness because it was our nature. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. By nature, we were children of wrath. That's what it says right here. Chapter 2, verse 3. By nature, children of wrath. Guilty before a holy God. Separated from Jesus Christ. Separated from a holy God. Without God. Without peace. Without hope in this world. We stood Condemned. That's why we were a wretch. And if we weren't in Christ this morning, if we sitting here in the sanctuary this morning were without Christ, we would still be a wretch. And there's not a thing that you and I could do about it if we were wretches right now. There was nothing we could do about it In the past, when we were a wretch, nothing. We were absolutely helpless. You and I are not able to change our condition or our nature when we were wretches. A leopard can't change his spots, and you can't change your nature. 
And again, in case we missed it the first time, verse number one said, you were dead in your trespasses in sins in which you once walked. And in case we missed it, Paul repeats himself in verse number five. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our wretchedness. Wretched man that I am, Paul said, who will save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Brothers and sisters, when it comes to being saved, it is impossible with man. That's what Jesus said. But he also said to the disciples, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So what is God's answer to the question, who will save me from this body of death? His loving response is Jesus. It's the gift of Jesus. The gift of salvation that's in Jesus. The gift of eternal life that's in Jesus. We talked about being dead. Why are we dead? Because we sinned. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, Jesus is life. When God gives you eternal life through your faith in Jesus, what he really gives you is he gives you Jesus. He gives you eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's who's in you. Now what do we call this free gift of God? I can spell it out for you. G-R-A-C-E. Grace. God's riches at Christ's Expense, grace, by grace you have been saved. You receive this gift because you have to receive it. It's not going to be forced on you. We receive this gift of salvation. We receive this gift of life that's in Jesus. This gracious gift through faith. When we look unto Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, when we cry out to the Lord Jesus, when we trust in Jesus alone to save us, trusting in Jesus, the Son of God, who shed his blood on Calvary for our sins and was raised from the dead for our justification so that we could be right with God, when we're trusting in what Jesus has done and we're trusting in him and his power, we shall be saved we shall be saved. But this morning, let's be clear of what I am saying. Let's be clear of what we have just heard. Let's put it another way. Trusting in Jesus alone also means that we're not trusting in anything about ourselves. We're not trusting wisdom. No wisdom. No power is going to save us that we might possess. No riches, no charm, no effort, no moral effort, no trying to be ethical, try to do better in life. 
I got to get my act together. I just got to try to do a little bit better. No works, not even religious works, are going to save you. No religious effort. Well, my life's a mess. I'll start going to church, I think. I'm going to buy me a Bible and start reading it. Water baptisms don't save you. The Lord's Supper doesn't save you. Sacraments don't save you. Traditions don't save you. Circumcision, ancient circumcision doesn't save you. Now all these things are good. Getting baptized, sharing the Lord's Supper, going to church. Of course it's good. Get you a Bible. Read it. Of course it's good. Fast. Yeah, that's good. But if you're dead, if you're dead in your trespasses and you try to do these things in an effort to get right with God to be forgiven, it's like putting good apples and taking string and trying to hang them on a dead tree. The dead tree will stay dead, and the apples will end up rotting. You don't try to do all kinds of good things and add it on to your wretched condition. You've got to change from being a wretch. And you can't change. It's impossible for you to change yourself, to change your being, your character. You can polish it up and make it look a little bit better and you can smell a little bit better. There's only one who can change you. There's only one who can save you and that is God alone. Jesus alone. You and I have no adequacy or merit whereby God will save us. The tax collector and the Pharisee came into the temple. The Pharisee probably came right up to the front And lifting his eyes up to heaven, I thank you, God, that I am not like all these wicked sinners. And he listed them. I fast regularly. He prays. He does all kinds of religious things. And I thank you that I'm not like that tax collector back there. The tax collector couldn't even come anywhere near the front. He stayed in the back, and you know the story just as well as I do. He couldn't even lift up his eyes. He kept them cast down upon the ground, and he beat his chest, and he said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Martin Luther, the one who kicked off, or God used to kick off the Reformation, was just like that tax collector. He tried so much. He was like a Pharisee at one time. And he was wretched until, like the tax collector, he simply trusted in Jesus. Faith alone. Grace alone. You might ask the question, why does it have to be that way? Why grace? Why can't we contribute? Why can't we participate in this whole salvation thing? Can't I do anything? No. But why? Why does it have to be a gift? Well, you get a clue right here. Look at verse number 9. Not a result of works. You're not going to get saved by your works. Why? 
so that no one may boast, so no one may brag, so no one can stand with pride before God, so that no one would be induced to think arrogantly before God. No boasting. But why? We're in a wretched condition. We're sinners prior to Jesus because of the fall. What happened at the fall? Adam and Eve got tempted by Satan to eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil so that they could be wise like God. They could understand all things. The implication was we don't need to submit to God any longer. We're like him. Pride came into the world. Pride comes before a great fall. And if we're going to return to him, we're not going to come to him with any scrap of pride. No, we're going to come to him like a child. That's what Jesus said. If you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven, you're going to come like a little child, totally helpless, totally dependent, humble, simply trusting in Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm a sinner, and I am helpless. Forgive me. Save me. I am yours. He will not let you come to him in any other way. Not for salvation. But when you do come that way, when you do turn to him by faith, with that utter trust in him. He will never turn you away, no matter what you have ever done in your life, no matter what you are like right now. Why will he not turn you away? Because he loves you, and his grace is greater than your sin. Would you turn with me now to chapter 2? Look at verse number 4 and 5. Right after we're told that by nature we're children of wrath, this is what it says. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. We're dead. You don't get worse than that. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. This morning, if you're not sure about where you are with God, with Christ, if the Spirit is tugging on your heart, moving your heart, don't turn away. Don't turn away. Cry out to him. Bob, our brother Bob here in the sanctuary wrote this poem a few days ago. If the Holy Spirit gently calls, receive the rescue from the fall. He beckons once and yet again. Jesus will free you from your sin. If pulled by heaven's dove, if constrained by bands of love, if by the word heard or read or by testimony said, if given ears that hear and eyes that see to know God in Christ eternally, repent and believe or keep sin's sorrow. We are not promised one tomorrow. Accept the Christ. Confess his name. Your life in his is why he came. His gift of life received today. Jesus, the truth, the life, 
the way. Grace. Isn't it a beautiful word? Savor it for a moment. Take a look with me. Back up a chapter to just one verse. Chapter 1, verse 7 in Ephesians. Let's savor grace just for a moment. Ooh. (laughs) Even starting in verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved in him. What do we have? Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Just think, saints in the Lord, when we were helplessly lost, Jesus left the 99. He left the 99, and he found you, and he found me. And he shed his blood for you, and he shed his blood for me. He paid the price for our sins. But as we consider grace this morning, this is really, really important. We have to recognize that in this gift of grace, we have been given much more than that. Much more than just pardon and forgiveness of sins. As great as that is, as foundational as that is, how unshakable that is. That's the foundation and bedrock of our faith because of what Jesus has done for us and our trust in him. We are forgiven. We are pardoned. We're in the right with God And we are so for all eternity. That's bedrock. But let's unpack this gift. The gift of grace. Turn with me now to to chapter 2 one more time. Let's look at 4, 5, and 6. Can we read that again? But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we're alive with Christ. We have union with Christ. If you're a believer this morning in Jesus, you have union with Christ. You died with Jesus. You were crucified with Jesus. You were raised with Jesus. Jesus Christ lives in you and you in him You have been crucified with Christ and you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. Christ in you and in you in Christ. You know, as an assignment, when you have some time this week, would you read chapter 1 and chapter 2? Read. That is, it is so rich with the grace of God. We're only doing a part of chapter 2. I would really like you to read chapter 1 and chapter 2. And notice, by the time you get to the end of the passage that we're reading today, you're going to see the phrase, in Christ, at least 12 times. I think it's 14 times. Paul is emphasizing again and again that we're in Christ. And all these benefits, gifts, blessings that we have, All of the riches of his grace are because we're in Christ. But how is Christ in you, you might ask? How? Well, look at chapter 1, verse 13. Let's answer the question right now. This is how Christ is in you. In him, in Jesus, 
You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Sometimes Paul will speak of the Holy Spirit, and he'll, in the very next sentence, say that the Spirit of Christ is in you. Brothers and sisters, Grace has come to us because of the love of God. But the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. How do we speak of us being in Christ and Christ in us? Because the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts. This is the gift of grace. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. This has been a message about salvation and the role of grace in that salvation. I began this message by considering our wretchedness, what we are being saved from. We've just heard about grace. Now that we have received the grace of God, let us look at our final word. Let us look again at the list and consider the remarkable characteristics of our salvation. On the authority of Scripture, the fourth sola, The authority of Scripture alone. The Bible says, I was lost, now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. My nature was darkness, but now I am light in the Lord. I am a son of light, is the way Jesus puts it, by the way. I was weak and powerless, but now I am strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I was a slave to sin, but Jesus set me free from sin. I was in Satan's grip, but now I am strong, and the word of God is in me, and I have overcome the evil one, 1 John. I was ungodly, but now the Holy Spirit lives in me, and the power that raised Jesus from the dead empowers me to live a godly life. I was a sinner. Now I am a saint. I am holy in the Lord Jesus Christ who lives in me. I was an enemy of God, but now I am reconciled. And I have intimate fellowship with God my Father. I call him Abba, Father, and he calls me beloved son, beloved daughter. I was a son, I was a daughter of disobedience, but now I have become an obedient son in Christ. I was by nature a child of wrath, but now I am a new creature in Christ. I have a new nature I am a dearly loved child of God. I was dead. I was dead. Now I am alive in Jesus. And I have life to the full. I was without God and without hope in the world. And now I have God and I have Jesus. And all that comes with him. For all eternity. I was a wretch. But now because of Jesus. I am a blessed man. Or I'm a blessed woman. All of this because of God's grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Why is this so important for us to grasp this? What's at stake by understanding this portion of God's grace, this gift of empowerment for a victorious life and all the riches that come with it? What's at stake? I'll tell you what's at stake. The fifth sola. God's glory. God's glory. That's what's at stake. In the midst of a wicked and perverse and adulterous generation, in the midst 
of a dying world, God's character and his attributes are on display through his children, his sons and his daughters who have been born of God, born of the Spirit, and who are his image bearers into the world, bringing glory to God as his attributes are on display through his children. God is holy. God is love. And he has lovingly and graciously empowered us in Christ to walk in holiness and love and in the ways of the kingdom, doing good works and bearing fruit for the kingdom. Our last verse, verse number 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I am older now. It's quite obvious to my grandchildren. I'm older now. And people watch me. Little girl up there, sitting up in the top. She watches me all the time. And people watch you. Do they see Jesus? Is God pleased by the way you are living your life in Jesus? I suspect all of you are like myself. I want to finish well. When people ask me sometimes, what can they pray for? Quite often, probably half the time, maybe not quite half the time, but close to it, I simply ask them, Pray, I want to fight the good fight, to run the race and keep the faith until the end. I'm old enough now at this age to have seen and known many who have started well in their journey of faith. And then in the end, for whatever reason, grievously stumbled and fell, grievously fell into sin whether it was by careless temptation, pride, therefore, I close with an admonition and an encouragement. First of all, in an admonition, brothers and sisters. If you're saved this morning, if you're alive in Christ this morning, it began by grace. Continue in that grace. Continue. It's not just a one and done thing. Continue in grace. Humble, trusting, depending on the Lord for everything. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. It's grace that brought us safe thus far. And grace, grace will lead us home. You began in the Spirit. You began in the Spirit, the Bible says. Continue in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Allow the Lord to lead you and empower you. Allow the Spirit to remind you of who you are in Christ. And walk by faith, not by sight. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Be in the Word. The Word. Spiritual Word of God. And obey Jesus. Saints, don't get sloppy. Don't get careless. Don't get distracted by this world. Not 
even social media, all the articles, all the texts, all the stuff. Don't get distracted. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Keep your heart tender for Jesus. Finish well. Saints and Lord, finish well. What's at stake? God's glory. He is showing that Jesus in you is greater than Satan who would have you fall. I finish with an encouragement. Would you read chapter 2, verse 7 with me? So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In the coming ages. Grace is a, is a gift that keeps on giving. From the fullness of Jesus we have all received grace upon grace. Soon Jesus will appear. We will be given a new body. And we will see that shining jewel of a city, the new Jerusalem. We'll see the glorious kingdom. Recognizing we're part of it. Co-heirs with Christ. Reunion with loved ones. So many of you have lost loved ones in here. Over the last several years, reunion with loved ones who love Jesus. There was a man who was formerly a wretch. He was a big time wretch. Big time. He wrote these words When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. That wretch who became a blessed man had this to say about grace. It's amazing and it's forever. Amen.